Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Open Forum Wednesday. Hey, everybody. Good afternoon. Hope you are doing well. Well, it happens every year in the National Football League. Players are upset that they didn't get more money, or players are upset at their current deals, such as Zach Martin of the Dallas Cowboys, who is threatening not to report to camp because he says he is underpaid, wants his contract restructured. Well, don't sign the contract then, right? He may be underpaid, but, you know, no one put a gun to his head when he signed his contract. You know, now all of a sudden it's not good enough. So you got Saquon Barkley of the Giants, who's contemplating sitting out the whole year. Good, sit out the whole year. You know what? Really, you're going to sit out the whole year and you're going to give up, you know, $11 million and in the process, you know, be a year older. You know, we know the show life of running backs is small in the National Football League. So go ahead, sit out. You know what? If I'm the Giants, I'd go out and sign Dalvin Cook. That's what I would do. I mean, it's ridiculous. It really is. You know, the Giants used the tag, same way that the Raiders used it on Jacob, same way that the Cowboys used it on Tony Pollard. You know, these guys are all going to make $10.9 million this year. They're upset that they were tagged. Well, again, you know, your union and the National Football League have negotiated this. Okay? That's right. You're part of the union. You accepted this. Deal with it. You don't want to play? Don't play. You know, if I'm the Giants, I'm not waiting very long for Saquon Barkley. I'm not. Okay? I'm not. Is he a good player? Yes. Did he have an uh, outstanding year a season ago? Yes. Okay. But it's the first time the Giants have made the playoffs since Barkley was drafted. He's missed a lot of time with injuries. And the Giants utilized a mechanism that's in the collective bargaining agreement and the salary cap, the way the Cowboys did, the way the Raiders did, deal with it. And then, you know, for a guy like Zach Martin, maybe he is underpaid. He's a great offensive guard. Great. I mean, you could make the argument he's as good as there is in football. Now, all of a sudden, he's unhappy with his contract because other players that play his position are making more than twice of what he makes. I get that. I get that. 
but don't sign your contract then. It's just unbelievable. To me, I always thought when you sign your contract, you honor your contract. Okay, that doesn't happen anymore. It does not happen anymore. All right, what do you want to talk about today? All right, I did my rant today on Nerland's Noel, and you know, for some apparent reason, there are some that are using the word great in the same sentence as Nerland's Noel. Stop it. There's nothing about him that's great. Okay. It's never been that way. So we can, we, we need to move on from that. The guy is not great in anything. Okay. Anything. He's great at, uh, I actually, I take that back. He's great at still getting paid millions of dollars. That's one thing he is great at that for a guy that basically can't play still gets paid millions of dollars a year. It's good work if you can get it. That's basically what he's great at. But, I mean, I, I don't understand this. All of a sudden, New Orleans Noel, who's on a seventh NBA team, is going to come into Sacramento and all of a sudden be great? Huh. Yeah, right. I mean, seriously, what are we dealing with here? How about some common sense? You know, the guy was available because nobody wanted him at $3.1 million which is, let's just call it the way it is. It's pocket change in the NBA. Pocket change. Does it give the Kings another body? Yes. That's about it. Again, that is about it. All right, what do you want to talk about today? You know the routine. If you want to get in on the program, you raise your hand and we will do it. NFL training camps. Yes, indeed. It is that time of year. And to me, a good training camp is one in which you don't have any significant injuries. That's how I judge training camps. I don't judge it on anything else. Nothing. It's a necessary evil. Okay. And I'm not talking about the games. I'm talking about in practice. How many guys every year go down in practice with knees? Don't even get a chance to play in a preseason game. Forget about that. They're out for the year based on practice. You hate to see it. You know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. That's how you judge whether or not your preseason is good or not. Were you able to get through preseason without any significant injuries? All right, let's get to uh, some phone calls. Why don't we start with Trent? Trent, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Grant. Um, really looking forward to the Open Championship this weekend. Um, and also, I'm, I'm thinking I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to go to this uh, Reno Tahoe Open. I'm sorry, the uh, Barracuda Championship up in Truckee. And it's yep. probably the first first year in the last five or ten years that there hasn't been severe wildfire, you know, smoke stuff de to yep. deal with when you're up there. Yeah. And yeah. And so um, I heard your comment about, I think it was yesterday about something going on at the celebrity tournament at Edgewood where there's constant noise. I think if there, it, like you were saying, like on no, 16, no, 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 stop, stop, no, no, no. There wasn't constant noise. It was quiet, and in the backswing of the leader, Marty Fish, on 18, somebody screamed, oh. okay? And it, it, he shanked his drive and basically allowed Steph Curry, you know, to be in the position to win the tournament. Oh, that's, that sucks. I'm sorry that happened. Yeah, that's, that's a bit of a – yeah, you don't want to scream out loud when somebody's in a backswing. That's, that's, that's rule number one on a golf course. Yeah. So yeah, so uh, do you like the venue? Do you like the uh, 
you like the overall, you know, yeah. What do you, what do you think of the venue? You like it? Which venue were you referring to? Sorry. The, uh, the open championship, uh, Royal Liverpool, yeah. Hoylake. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's great. That's I was cool. looking at some, uh, aerial photographs of it. I haven't been there myself, but you know, I mean, there, that course has obviously a lot of history and, you know, looking at the aerial photographs, I mean, it looks like an incredible track. I'm looking forward to watching it. Yeah. It's, it's cool. Cause they, um, you know, I was looking. Uh, sort of, the Golf Digest has a view as a YouTube video where they go through all the holes on the on the YouTube, and it sort of starts off, sort of, you know, not so really, it's not so difficult kind of thing. I mean, for me, you know, it's an Open Championship; it's going to be difficult, but it's like it starts off sort of soft, and then it gets more difficult as the holes go on, and then on the back nine, it really gets difficult, and then that 17th hole is the. Uh, it's the par three, the 150 yard par three that is, uh, yep. that's yep. really sort of, it doesn't look like any other hole on the course, but I think it'll be a, uh, a lot of drama there. And they have this really deep bunker there on the left side. That'll be probably a game changer if the leader gets in there and, and has a, a big number after that hole. So looking forward to it. Yeah. And I hope there's no rain. And, uh, yep. like I said before, I'm probably going to go to the Truckee event, uh, probably Saturday and then I'll, hopefully be able to see the event unfold on Sunday morning for the open championship. So really looking forward to it. Yep. Me too. Thanks buddy. Have a All good right, one. Take, take care. care. You too. All right, let's move along. We get to uh, some more phone calls and uh, we say hello to Zach. Hello, Zach. Welcome to the show. Hey, with this whole, uh, Nerland's well, okay. So here's the thing. Part of it makes sense and part of it doesn't, but the only thing that makes sense is that it seems like the Kings and Monty McNair are just giving up on Kata, which I don't blame them. Because I did watch the Kings Summer League's games, and Kata just, like, looked busting nothing. Like, he really has no offensive game, defense, not much at all. I mean, the only thing I see with Kata is being a lob target. But obviously, in, in this NBA, you need much more than that. So, I think, like, as far as this whole Noel signing, I think it's like they rather have uh, Noel over Kata, who has, you know, NBA experience. And, I mean, I don't think Noel's going to play a lot at all. But I would just say they would probably rather have him than Kata for, like, insurance. Does that – what do you yeah, think? Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think you're right. I, I think that's probably exactly right. Um, and I, I wouldn't even argue with that. So, I just – I don't think New Orleans and Wells is going to play a lot. I think you're correct. And the way the game is played in this day and age is not, you know, uh, conducive to Noel's game. Plus, you know, he's been basically – an underachieving player every step in, ever since he stepped onto the NBA floor in Philadelphia. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you. Your reasoning makes a lot of sense. Yep. And then it's almost like I'm not now to a lesser degree. It seems like he's going to play that Rashawn Holmes like role. Like if, you know, when they're down, Yep. which I'm not saying yep. he is Rashawn Holmes. I would, I mean, I still think Rashawn Holmes is much more talented, you know, obviously. Oh yeah. It's not even fit, close. Yeah. Didn't fit last year. But, like, I mean, like, I don't know. You never know. Like, he could have some big games sometime along the season, but I don't think that's going to determine him to get, like, you know, rotational minutes. Obviously, that game when Rashawn Holmes dominated, or not dominated, had a big game uh, against the Lakers or whatever, that didn't do anything. That didn't put him in rotation. So, I mean, as far as, like, having Kada versus Noel, obviously you want Noel, but I think that's all I see with that. You know, here's the bottom line. Neither of those guys is going to make any difference in your record at the end of the year. I mean, you just got to be honest about this. You know, Noel, Kata, 
these guys don't don't win you games. They don't. They, they are necessary because you have to have thirteen guys, you know, in uniform every night. But that doesn't make a difference to your success. Those guys aren't going to determine whether the Kings are good or not this year. It's called rounding out your roster, as you pointed out. That's all it is. It's rounding out your roster, and that's it. I mean, that that's all it is. It's nothing more than that. And then um, I just wanted to touch on the whole J.J. Redick joining Breen and uh, Jackson. Like, of all the guys that they could have chosen from, I was just thinking, like, of a guy they could have chose, like, Hubie Brown. I think he would have been a good fit with them. Like, why? Yeah, but Hubie's, he... almost, Hubie's almost 90 years old. Yeah, yeah, but, I mean, he's still broadcasting, right? I mean, yeah, you know, Hubie actually would not be good with Mike Breen and Mark Jackson. Hubie needs volume because he's so good. He needs to be on his own platform. First of all, you know, the fact that you have to have a three-man booth is stupid. You don't have to have a three-man booth. But Mark Jackson probably is not your league guy if you're only going to do Breen and one other. It's probably another individual. It's not It's not Jackson. He can't carry from that uh, role as an analyst. He does kind of need that side person next to him. But I've never been a fan of three in a, in a broadcast booth for basketball. But Hubie, Hubie needs when, – when Hubie does a game, he's so good and has so much to add. You know, you don't, you, you don't need another voice next to Hubie. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, like, do you think they're just trying to, like – with the whole thing with J.J. JJ Reddick, do you think they're just trying to, like – I don't know. Like, I just don't see how that's going to, like, mesh with those two. I don't know whether it's going to mesh or it's not going to mesh, but – you know, you gotta you gotta be pretty damn good to be better than Jeff Van Gundy, that's for sure. So, um, you know, I who knows? You know, I obviously Reddick has uh, elevated himself with ESPN. He is a rather current former player. When I mean current, you know what I mean? He hasn't been out yeah. of the league that long. Um, you know, he checks the boxes for ESPN. I, I have no idea about his relationship with Mike Breen, so I can't really comment on that. Uh, but he's no Jeff Van Gundy, I can tell you that. Yeah, definitely. That's all I got. All right, take care. Bye-bye. All right, if you want to get in on the program, raise your hand, uh, and we will do it. I just, you know, there are certain analysts that are very good by themselves. And by themselves, I mean, they don't need anyone else. Hubie Brown is one of them, right? I mean, you you wouldn't put a third voice with someone like Hubie Brown. It doesn't make sense. I mean, you just don't. I mean, I like Mark Jackson. I think he's very good. But I think Mark is not a number one lead analyst by himself. That's that's my take on it. I just I don't I don't see him that. Okay, I I don't. I yeah. I'm I, actually to be honest with you, when I look at the uh, uh, analyst doing network TV. I'll tell you who a guy that was great when he was on TV was Doc Rivers. You know, Doc was tremendous, right? Doc was an outstanding analyst, did a great job. You know, to me, a guy like Doc Rivers. Now, the other thing is networks now are leery of this is a new trend of, you know, basically being a rental situation. 
You know, everyone knows Doc wants to still coach. So are you going to move him into an analyst role, knowing full well that it's short term where you don't build up any continuity and familiarity with the audience and rhythm with the announcers? And so that works against him. Okay, that works against him because everyone knows that he's still looking for a head coaching job. So, you know, keep that in mind as well. But Doc was uh, tremendous, you know, as an analyst. Doug Collins did a great job, you know, years ago when he was in that role. I thought he was outstanding. Could J.J. Redick be really good? He could. But, again, you got big shoes to fill with Jeff Van Gundy, that's for sure. All right, let's get to uh, some more phone calls, and we uh, bring in Ryan in Sacktown on this open forum Wednesday. How are you, sir? Doing great. Yourself, Grant? I'm very well, thank you. Excellent, excellent. I'd uh, go ahead and throw Doris Burke in that conversation as well. I think Doris is very well-spoken, very knowledgeable, and she can also have some fun with the guys. Yeah, yep. I I don't disagree with that. I, I don't know if I would put her on that platform, on the number one stage with Breen and Jackson. But yeah, she is very good. There's no question about that. Yeah, and I definitely enjoy listening to her. Um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit today about the college football scene and not so much what's going on on the field, but more off the field. The uh, Northwestern uh, issue with uh, hazing, and, uh, you know, the coach ended up losing his job for that. I read the, you know, complaint. It, it, it is what it is. It's nothing, at least, and not to offend anybody out there, it's nothing that seems extreme if you've been in a locker room for a long time. Things like that go on. Um, do you see, and I mean, you played college lacrosse, do you see this issue kind of exploding a little bit more? I do. Um, I've seen hazing going on in the professional level. As you said, it goes on everywhere. It's just to what degree does it go on, right? What, what you know, if you have a scale of one to 10 and 10 is egregious, awful, God, I can't believe that. And one is have fun, go out and buy me donuts, make sure I get my food, carry my bags. You know, I can go on and on. Hazing yeah. goes on all the time. Uh, it goes on in the, you know, I've seen it in the NBA. I mean, rookies have certain obligations, which is basically they're being hazed. It's hazing. You know, I dealt with it. Again, I'm at a a much different generation. But, you know, the hazing that I went through pledging my fraternity during Hell Week was, I mean, if that happened today, the fraternity would be banned. They, they, They would be banned and, you know, there might even be prosecutions, you know, legal. I mean, I really mean that. Yeah. So I've, I've been through it. Uh, plus, I've seen it. You know, we had a thing when I played lacrosse. Uh, it was called the Spider God. And every year, a freshman was taken to the back of the bus, basically stripped down and completely. That what they did is they took, you know, adhesive tape, athletic tape, and they made a huge, huge, huge web in the back of the bus. And oh. they would take that individual and throw them into the web and they would be completely engulfed in, you know, adhesive tape, you know, the white athletic tape. Yeah. yeah. And, they, and, and, it, and it was in the media guide every year who won the spider God. And I was going to be that guy. And instead of doing it 
on the bus. They were going to do it. I found out they were going to do it at practice one day. And I remember this. I remember, you know, uh, contacting my coach and saying that I had a makeup exam that I couldn't get out of. And then they didn't do it. And then when they were going to do it, we were on the road and we played horribly. And a lot of the freshmen that were very prominent players on that team, such as myself, I was a starting attackman. We all sucked. And we knew that the spider God was going to be happening on the way home on the bus. Uh, and and I, I'll never forget this. All of us were terrible. And our coach was so pissed at the end of the game. He was so pissed that he would not allow that to happen on the bus saying, you guys are more damn concerned about, you know, this than you are about the game and it screwed us up, blah, 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 blah. And then they ended up doing it one day uh, at practice. And as it turned out, they used somebody else. They didn't use me. But so, I mean, there's all kinds of degrees of hazing. There are rituals, you know, that some teams have had for year after year after year. I don't know what's true and what's not true out of the Northwestern story because there's a lot of conflicting reports there are reports that there are certain individuals that were trying to get back at the coach and that this didn't really happen to the magnitude that they say it did. So I don't even know what's true, but you make a very good point. This goes on pretty much everywhere. Well, in some ways, and I'm not saying the spider tape is one, it, it's team building to a degree off the field, you know? Yep. Um, yep. And I'm not trying to say that, you know, you can't grow the team without hazing, but um, it, it's kind of those good times away from, you know, the focus of being an athlete. But like you said, and like I've said, this goes on at every school. So if Northwestern's going to get a slap, I mean, I can only imagine what else we may hear about coming forward, which kind of leads to my next point. Um, Kirby Smart at Media Day um, for the SEC, they're talking about, you know, player control off the field, and they were talking about the speeding tickets um, Uh that his players have gotten. And obviously there was the uh, car accident that most people know about. But at what point, Grant, is it off the head coach's back if a player does something? Because to me, a speeding ticket, not a big deal. Now, if you've got an Alabama situation where there's a murder in the program, that's allegedly. That is a Yeah, first of all, it depends to what degree, you know, the speeding ticket is. Is it, you know, going 95 and a 55? which is reckless driving and, you know, things of that nature. So there are varying degrees of speeding tickets. Listen, you know, there's no way in the world that any coach of any program anywhere can know what their players are doing 24-7. And sometimes we forget, and I'm not excusing this, but this is the reality. We're dealing with 18, 19, 20, 21, in some cases, 22-year-old men. Okay, and I'm saying men because we're talking about college football now. And, you know, I did it. I'm sure you did it. We do stupid things when we're that age. And I did stupid things when I was in college. My coach, my lacrosse coach should have not been responsible for when I stepped out of line in any way, shape or form. He's not my father. He's not my uh, chaperone. He's not with me 24 seven. He's with me during meetings and practice and, you know, gives me instructions of how we're supposed to behave and things of that nature. But when I don't, 
That's not the coach's fault. Like the coach is supposed to be with me at my fraternity party when we have, you know, eight kegs of beer and, you know, we're doing what we do in college. That Now all of a sudden that falls on the shoulders of my coach. No, it doesn't. I mean, you know, you, you can't just make a blanket statement. Well, gee, you know, the coach should have known that this was going on. No, the coach doesn't know what's going on all the time. It's, it's not, it's not the coach's responsibility to make sure that I am a perfect student or don't step out of bounds and don't do anything stupid when I'm not on the practice field or within the confinement of the team walls. Okay. That's not the coach's responsibility. I've never understood that. I've never understood how that falls on the coach. I think that's just an excuse. And I think it's a cop-out to be quite honest with you. Yeah, I'm with you there. It just it's becoming more and more that you hear that if there's a little issue with a player at a university. Um, but you're gonna see it, I think, a lot more because now the guys are coming in and they're able to get paid for play. So now you're mixing yep. in money with, you know, getting out on your own, you know, possibly having nice things, playing in front of a lot of people. But controlling 53 guys or in a college program, it can be over 90 to 100. That That's absolutely impossible in their day-to-day lives outside of the football program. Yep. Um, yeah, now, I would say this. I, I, I would say this. If there is hazing going on in the locker room, okay, and it's it's being at times discussed on the field, I find it hard to believe that there wasn't at least one coach. And again, we know how many coaches there are on a college football team that would not be aware of that. So in hazing, I find it more difficult to believe in this case, the coach of Northwestern said he had absolutely no idea, blah, blah, blah. That to me is a little bit more difficult to believe you were in college athletics too. You know, that, that, that is a little more difficult to comprehend to me, but you know, when a player is out on a Friday night or a Saturday night or what have you, you know, the coach has no idea what they're doing. Coach can't be responsible for their actions. You know, as you said, driving or whatever the case may be. I mean, that's not the coach's fault. That's just not, you know? No, it's not. And yeah, it, it, (laughs) the coaches, they know what's going on. It gets back to them one way or the other. We both know that. Yes. Yes. So very yes. interesting. Um, I'm with you about Nerland's Noel. Uh, really changes nothing. It's a contract that can be dropped if something else comes up better during the yep. season. Um, you know, he's probably going to have one game where he steps in and, you know, plays really well. And you're going to get into that debate after one game. But it's just really, I, I don't, other than rebounding, everybody's talking about shot blocking rebounding would be the only thing that I really think that they brought him in for. Maybe, but in order to rebound, you have to be on the floor and he very rarely gets on the floor based on his last couple of stops in the uh, NBA. So, you know, you make a good point about, you know, he might play one game and then he'll play well. And everyone talks about that. We dealt with that last year with Rashawn Holmes and people kept on saying when you and I did the shows, they didn't understand why Rashawn Holmes didn't play. Well, you know, the Kings finished third in the West last year, okay? And Mike Brown didn't have him in the rotation. And when you look back at it, when you look back at it, it didn't cost the Kings, you know, anything. The Kings still had their most successful season in ages without Rashawn Holmes being in the rotation. So sometimes you just got to acknowledge that the coach knows what he's doing. I'm not saying that we can't second-guess the coach. I'm not saying that, you know, we can't 
you know, ask why this individual is playing. I mean, you and I and everyone else in Sacramento did that when we saw Davion Mitchell play only eight minutes in game seven. So it's okay to, you know, question what a coach is doing. But, you know, in the Rashawn Holmes deal, I mean, the Kings had a tremendous season and there was a reason why Rashawn Holmes wasn't playing. And as it turns out, you know, Rashawn was not, did not really buy in anything that was going on last year with the team. So there were things that go on behind the scenes that the fans aren't privy to, that aren't aware of, that also affect the way a coach coaches his rotation. Absolutely. And to take that just a quick step further, credit to Rashawn for the fact that he was not bought into that program. He was kind of on the outs. He was still able to step in and do his job and be a professional. And he did help them win that game. But outside of that game, I can't think of another one, like you said, that if he would have come in, things would have been different. Yeah, I don't know if he was really that professional this past year, particularly in the last couple of months. I, I don't know if I would say that about him, but I'm not going to I'm not going to rip the guy because he's not in Sacramento anymore. I wish him the best in Dallas. I enjoyed being around him. I enjoyed talking to him. I liked the way he played when I was doing the games. I thought he always played his ass off. So it just didn't work. He got caught up in a numbers game. He fell out of favor with the coach. You know this. This happens all the time in teams everywhere in all sports. Sometimes you get a new coach and a player doesn't gel with that coach, falls out of favor. I mean, that's sports. It happens all the time. All the time. Exactly. So, all right, my friend, have a great rest of the day. Thanks for doing the show. No, no quizzes for me anymore on Open Forum Wednesday, huh? I'll come up with something. <laughs> right. I'll catch you off. Have a good one. All right. <laughs> Take it easy. All right, bye-bye. All right. Uh, yeah, again, the Northwestern situation, I don't even know what's true. I mean, I really don't. I read this individual said this. Oh, that one's, you know, I, I don't really know what's true. What I do know is, that the coach doesn't have a job anymore and neither does the baseball coach. So I think in today's uh, era, if I can use that, there are uh, universities are paranoid against lawsuits and the woke culture and everything else. Okay. So when you see anything to do with hazing, even though hazing has been going on from the start of time, if you really want to, you know, make a blanket statement, hazing's been a part of fraternities, sororities, you know, sports teams. I mean, we can go on and on and on, probably in the workplace. I, I don't know. But, I mean, hazing uh, has been going on for a long time. I would say less in the workplace because uh, I've never experienced it in the workplace. but. I certainly experienced it in sports. I mean, I remember being on the varsity football team. We all got hazed, you know, when it was our first year on varsity. It was part of the deal. You know, every every year, all right? Or not even every year. If you if Where I went to school, high school was 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. And 10th graders played on the JV and juniors and seniors would play on the varsity. And we would all go to football camp. You know, we'd get on buses and we'd go to a football camp in Pennsylvania, hours away for a week. We all got hazed. I mean, we all knew we were going to get hazed. And it happened on the bus. It was part of the deal. 
you know, and then when we became seniors, we did the same thing to the 10th graders. It wasn't like crazy. It wasn't like, oh my God, I can't believe this is going on, but it was hazing. All right. I see it in the NBA. The Kings have hazing every year. I mean, every NBA team does. I've never heard of a team that doesn't. Does that mean you can't do it? You know, Ryan makes a good point. It's pretty good for team bonding and you just understand that's the way it is. You know, does that mean it needs to be abolished because of what happened in Northwestern? No, not in my opinion. Hey, folks, I want to talk to you about Z-Biotics. Let's face it, after a night with drinks, I don't bounce back the next day like I used to. I've got to make a choice. I can either have a great night or a great next day. That is until I found Z-Biotics. Z-Biotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Zbiotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. Just remember to make Zbiotics your first drink of the night. Drink responsibly, and you'll feel your best tomorrow. And again, I was a bit on the fence about Zbiotics initially, but then I was at a birthday party. Uh, my buddy and his wife had rented out a restaurant, and I had a couple of drinks, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give this a shot tonight. And you know what, folks? Believe me, it is the real deal. Vacations, weddings, birthdays, reunions. Hey, there's so much going on, right? Get the most out of your spring plans by stocking up on pre-alcohol now. Go to zbiotics.com slash grant to get 15% off your first order when you use grant at checkout. Zbiotics is back with 100% money back guarantee. So if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. Remember, go to zbiotics.com slash grant. Use the code grant at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, Zbiotics, for sponsoring this episode and our good times. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, let's get to John. John, what's going on, buddy? Hey, John. Grant, how are you? Good, man. How are you? Yep, I'm doing all right. I'm uh, just cleaning up a little bit of the backyard, getting for the grad ki- grandkids to come over. But I heard your discussion about hazing, and hey, it's gone on forever. I mean, I've been hazed and done some hazing, and you know, 30, 40 years ago, it's. And I'm talking in high school, maybe early college, but even in Boy Scouts there was hazing, and all in the military there is hazing, in construction industry there is hazing, and to what degree is where everything goes, and usually hazing with the football coach yeah he might not know everything but the football coach and the captain talk to each other and the freaking captain of the football team needed to know what was going on and if the captain and the coach weren't talking that coach was not doing a good job there so for you know for a coach to not know to have his head in the sand as far as the i guess the whole northwestern coaching staff you know that's bs they knew something was yeah, going he may, on. Now, he may, not, he may have not known to what degree. 
He Correct. may not have known, you know, to what degree, but I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't disagree that. with that. He's, he's yeah. hardly even saying that he knew anything at all. So, right. I understand. Right, yep. it, it depends on the degree and, you know, the age, obviously, but hazing goes on in life. Like I said, the military is big on it, but it's not border borderline illegal. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. highly embarrassing, potentially. And, you know, when I was a kid, okay, I heard you talking about uh, your high school. Now, my high school, it was a uh, uh, 10th, 11th, and 12th. And then my first year I got there, I was the first year that became 9th, 10th. 11th and 12th. So I was the first freshman right. going into all of this as, and you know, I'm a young football player and a lot of the kids knew me because I played youth football and stuff. And they knew I was okay. And they hazed me or attempted to haze me and I had none of it. And I cauliflower eared this, uh, a senior who thought he was being smart and tough. And I said, this is, and it wasn't happening. And I just punched him in the ear. I never got screwed with again as a freshman and, you know, I was starting on the team by the end of the year, too. So it, it, hazing goes a certain ways. And if you can't handle it, it's not going to go your way. But what you have to do, if you're being hazed, you need to stand up to the bullies. Stand up to the bullies. And that's what I always strived on. Because I was, you know, like I said, I was the first ninth grader. I was a young kid. But I stood up to the bullies. So all the youngsters, they respected me as well they should i'm a respectable individual i was brought up right but hazing it go, it's in every freaking aspect yeah and i don't know if you can just say well gee you know um there can't be hazing on sports teams anymore i i i don't think that's being you realistic it, you can't say it it's not like it's n never going to happen and ryan brought up the great point hey it's great for team building granted you don't need to freaking give a dude a wedgie over his head to build a team but you know, some things are funnier than others. And when it gets disgusting and, you know, virtually or close to close to illegal, then it's, you know, it goes too far. And that's when, just like we're saying, when a coach knows it's going on and he doesn't come, doesn't fix the problem for one. And then when the problem goes as far as it has with Northwestern and still almost barely acknowledges that there was one, I don't know. It was time for, it was time for him to go. Well, you know, here's the other deal. There's legal issues. He's going to be yep. filing a lawsuit. And, you know, I'm sure his attorney is instructing him on, you know, what to say and what not to say. So there's all of that, too. There's there's all mm -hmm. kinds of stuff that's going on. You know, I was just about to say that there are so many ramifications that are come out, going to come out with the lawsuit, lawsuit and uh, all the investigations and so forth. I just wanted to hop in, get that get that on real quick. And uh, hey. Thanks for taking my call, Grant. John, you take care, buddy. Have a good Wednesday evening. Bye-bye now. All right, buddy, you too. You know, in the United States now, there's a mass overreaction to everything, okay? And, and, and part of the problem is, problem may not even be the right word, but for those that have never been on a team, they, they, they have no comprehension to team bonding in sports. And again, I do believe there are boundaries and you shouldn't go over that. All right. And I, I, I was listening to Danny Cannell and I put this on my podcast recently after the Northwestern situation. And he was talking about when, you know, he was at Florida state, you know, they used to cut the hair of the rookies 
And he said, you know, he just kind of knew it was going to happen. But he said, hey, if we had an individual and they were just absolute no way because of maybe a religious reason or what have you, then, you know, they would do something else to the kid. You know what I mean? Like there, there are lines you don't cross when it comes to hazing. And I think it all boils down to, I hate to say this, common sense again. Okay. Common sense. You know, we had an issue in my fraternity. We had hell week and the stuff they made us do was unbelievable. And again, if they did that now, that fraternity would be banned from campus, would be disbanded, and there might even be some legal ramifications. And we, one of my, one of my uh, brothers that we, that pledged with me had a heart condition that he did not let anyone know about. And we had rigorous physical activity in the middle of the night. They'd come into your room, wake you up if you were sleeping or whatever, and you'd have to go run, you know, around campus and do push-ups and sit-ups and everything else. And he had a medical emergency because he was he did not let people know that he had this heart ailment. You know, that stuff that that can't happen. You know, you can, you can't put someone's life in danger when it comes to hazing. All right. That, that, that just can't happen. So, you know, th again, there are boundaries and there are lines you don't cross. And so you might say, well, gee, how come they didn't know? Well, because they, 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 he wanted to be in the fraternity and he didn't want to be embarrassed. And he, you know, but again, there are certain things that, you know, fall under the common sense. If you see somebody that's being forced to go through a rigorous physical activity, if the individual is obese, let's say, okay, and we, we, we had that in our fraternity. And I remember seeing, you know, those individuals struggling mightily, mightily, you know, they're, all of a sudden, that's where common sense centers go, okay, wait a minute, we, we need to back off on this, you know, we, we might end up really killing somebody. And I mean that, you know, I mean, it, again, it, it falls under common sense, but I go back to this. When you're dealing with 18, 19, 20, and 21-year-old, you know, individuals whose brains are not fully developed, who are, you know, on a power trip or think they're having fun, they're not thinking of all of the ramifications in all situations. You know, we didn't sit there in Hell Week and have a checklist, you know, when we had plebes going through Hell Week and say, well, gee, you know, we better not do this. We better not do that. That never really entered our minds. It was like, well, we did it when we were pledging. And now the new pledge class, they're going to have to do the same thing we did. You know, that's really what the mentality was. It's like, well, we had to do it. So they have to do it. And it didn't really matter. You know, we didn't really sit there and think about, gee, what are we doing? You know, we, one of the things we had to do was we had all the leftover food stored in big garbage pans for four, five, six weeks, okay? And at the end of Hell Week, they put us all against the wall in our underwear, and we had all of the food that had been left over for weeks and weeks and weeks thrown at us, you know, against the wall. You know, that was just one element of Hell Week and being hazed. And that... That wasn't even by far the worst of it. 
So again, that was 1977. I understand it's not 1977 anymore, but I've also seen some stuff with my own eyes in the NBA with hazing where I thought it crossed the line, but it wasn't for me to say anything. I, I wasn't a player. I was an announcer. So, you know, it goes on, you know, it goes on. Most of it is harmless. Most of it is team bonding. Most of it, you're like, no big deal. You know, so I got to carry the luggage of the captain or, you know, I've got to go out and make sure that they have donuts on the bus or what, you know, most of it was not that big of a deal. There are times when it crosses the line. And I always think most of that falls in the category of common sense, right? Most of it falls into the category of common sense, but not always. And again, you know, I lived through it in college. You know, common sense now, as I look back on it, was, gee, how stupid was that what we did? I mean, it was crazy, you know? I mean, the stuff that they used to do to us. I remember getting woken up one night at about two in the morning. And we all got driven to Columbus, which was two hours. And dropped off in the middle of the campus at Ohio State at four in the morning. And it was cold out. And we had to find our way to the uh, Fidelt house and then arrange to get back to Bowling Green on our own. You know, again, you got class the next day. You have all kinds of stuff going on. And, you know, it's four in the morning and you're walking around the campus of Ohio State having no idea where the hell you're going, freezing your ass off with no way to get back to Bowling Green. You know, so again, you, you, you do things that, I actually enjoyed it because we were walking and all of a sudden we came up and on, on the left was the horseshoe, you know, the stadium. And I was like, oh, my God, wow, I can't believe I'm looking at the stadium and it's four in the morning. And I was like so pumped up that I was finally in person looking at the horseshoe. And I was like, oh, my God, look at how big that thing is. And, you know, but again, I'm I'm not normal. You know, I'm I'm not I'm not your typical you know, 18-year-old coming across the football stadium, you know, in Columbus. But, you know, you do, you do stupid things. What can I tell you? All right. So, again, but I go back to Northwestern. I don't know what's really true and what's not true because there are uh, conflicting reports, you know. There are conflicting reports. And then, you know, back at that stadium, I had my best game of the year a couple months later after that. That would have been – Hell Week was in November, and I had my best game of the season a couple months later in that stadium. So it's amazing what you remember, you know? It's amazing what you remember. Uh, tomorrow, I will be over on YouTube, on my YouTube channel. If you don't like that, we'll do the show tomorrow at 7 o'clock. That seemed to work out really well for a lot of people yesterday and uh and again i'm moving around from time to time and then we're not that far away from really coming at you with a lot of different programming uh as we gear up for not only football but for the king season and you know ryan and i will get together and uh we'll come up with some other ideas and listen if you have ideas feel free to pass them along we're very open to it uh we want to have a lot of programming uh, around the Kings this year, because I think it's going to be a very exciting season. 
very much like last year was. So, you know, we'll be doing a lot of different things when the basketball season begins. And, you know, the response that we had last year was, quite frankly, overwhelming to me. I mean, I, I couldn't believe it. It was very humbling. I speak for Ryan when we say that, you know, on some of the shows, how many people that we have. But I, I'm always willing to think about other ways and other other ideas to, you know, make the shows better and, you know, make them grow. So keep that in mind. If you have any ideas, feel free to pass them on. We'll be more than happy to listen to them. But tomorrow, again, 7 o'clock, and then I'll figure out what we're going to do for Friday. But this is kind of the, the doldrum of the year. I mean, we got the Open Championship. We just got done with Wimbledon, which was a fascinating final. Fascinating. Fascinating. I mean, it was great. But a lot of people don't watch tennis. You know, but a lot of people will watch the Open. I know on the West Coast, it's more challenging because of the uh, time difference. But, you know, I, I enjoy watching the Open Championship. And so, you know, we'll see how that turns out. But then after that, you got training camps, which, eh, you know, it's kind of blase. Uh, and then before you know it, we're in the college in the NFL. And then, boom, a couple of weeks later, it's uh, NBA training camp. So believe it or not, we're really not that far away. And uh, thank goodness for that. So appreciate everyone being here on Open Forum Wednesday. I'll talk to you tomorrow, 7 o'clock over on YouTube. You take care, everybody. Make it a very, very good Wednesday evening. Bye-bye now.